Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Study, where uh, we hope that everybody that's watching us is well and healthy. And I gotta say something to the guys that generally show up on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Man, I miss you guys, but we'll be back together soon. It'll be a lot of fun. And for those of you have, who have yet to, to uh, be able to be here in person, I hope there comes a time when I get to meet you in person. But otherwise, I, I pray that this study is a blessing tonight. Uh, once again, as I've been mentioning the last couple of weeks, as we have no accompaniment, we will have no singing. And I was thanked for that on Saturday morning. And so, Steve, you're welcome. But there is something else. Uh, there's been a request for a psalm. And this is interesting because it's about right. Because we're in, uh, psalms could be also referred to as the Hebrew hymnal. So here we are from Psalm 91. I'd like to read that. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see toward see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling he shall give his angels charge over you and keep you in all your ways in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's take a minute and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we're able to study your word. We thank you that you're here with us this evening because your word says that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. So we pray that you're blessing upon this study, that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. And uh, Lord, be with me tonight. Uh, keep me out of the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, tonight we have an especial because uh, this being Holy Week, I thought I'd address that. So we're going to give our hero, Job, the night off. He will be back, though, next week. So tonight we'll be going... Not all of you are familiar with the term Holy Week, and I'll let you know what that is. That's the time between... Palm Sunday 
and Easter Sunday and all the stuff that went in between. Now, recognize this is a study that could really last for months if we went into it really deep. What I'm trying to do here is kind of whet your appetite. So if you see something, if you hear something that you really want to get into further, then guess what? Get in your Bible and check it out more. It's kind of like sitting at home in front of the television and something happens and you wonder, gee, I wonder if they're still alive. So you pull out your handy dandy fart smoke and you goggle it and find out what's going on. Well, guess what? There's no smartphone that's any way as smart as God's Word. So this is kind of my ideas. I hope this sparks some interest and uh, gives you a little bit of background. So we're going to start off again with Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday. Now, this is when Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the people laid out palm fronds in front of him. And some laid out clothing as well, cloaks, coats. And it was a, oh, a way to honor somebody coming in, a king coming in to the city. Back in 1901, President McKinley visited or, uh, Redlands, California, and my grandmother along with a bunch of other little kids, went out and laid out rose petals in front of President McKinley's carriage there on Orange Street. This is something that continues to happen. Think of a wedding. Think of uh, the flower girls in the wedding where they throw the, the petals in front of the bride as she is walking down the aisle. So this is what was going on. And I'll uh, read to you from Matthew 21, beginning at the first verse, where it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage. Bethphage, pardon me, at the Mount of Olives. When Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loosen them and bring them back to me. Pastor Ed said on Sunday, Oh yeah, just giving you... Uh, uh, directions to kite somebody's donkey. Well, no, that was not the case. That was pretty good, though. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly sitting on a donkey, the, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That comes from the book of Isaiah. So the disciples went out and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Hence the term Palm Sunday. And the multitudes went out before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Coming from a liturgical background, uh, I am compelled to do this. 
Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Sorry, Steve, but I just had to do that. Every time I see this, it brings me back to when I was a child, growing up, like I say, in a liturgical church, and we chanted, okay. And when they had, when he, namely Jesus, had come into Jerusalem, the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Oh, who is this guy? Well, let's we'll let you in on it. Then Jesus went to the temple and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now this is for all of you who seem to be upset with those who are profiteering from religion. Jesus was right with you. He was upset with those who were profiteering from religion as well. Recognize religion in and of itself never saved anybody. The only way that you can be saved is not through religion, but through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, on the other hand, I also want you guys to think about this, because this, this is really something I see prevalent on Faceplant or whatever's going on, where people say, oh, this this pastor's making this much money, he's living in this mansion and all this stuff. Isn't it terrible? Well, I want you to know that pastors are not required to take a vow of poverty. And if you really get down to it, why is it okay for somebody who is paid to lie for a living, namely actors and actresses, to live in a fancy mansion, but somebody who's being paid to tell the truth for a living is expected to live in a grass shack. Just my two cents in it, but there it is. Yes, I know there are shysters out there, and I agree. Jesus agreed too. He kicked those bums out of the temple. But with that being said, remember, not everybody that is earning a living and living in a nice home who's a pastor is a crook. Uh, now I'm done with that. Verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Have you not read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Okay, here we have the chief priests and scribes upset with Jesus. Why? Now you recognize that we have a lot of people that recognize him coming into the holy city, that realize that, yes, he is 
the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And so they say, Hosanna, the son of David. This is great. But these chief priests, as they said here, uh, again, yeah, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did. They were indignant. Why? Because they felt like their cushy gig was going to be up. So here's these guys that have been running all this stuff. They are the, uh, they're getting paid, again, cushy job to tell people what to do, all about the law and stuff like that. And they see Jesus coming in, and they feel that their, big, their good gig is going to be done. So they start to uh, come together to try and figure out what are they going to be able to do with Jesus. Okay. And Jesus said to them, and we've all heard this this is where this term, out of the mouth of babes. This is, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, nursing infants have you perfected praise. Yep, there it is. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany. Why did he go out of the city? Well, pretty simple. This is the week of Passover. And all the good Jews are required, if possible, to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So there's a lot of people there. And he doesn't have a whole lot. There's no room for them in the end. So he goes down to Bethany. Now you might have heard of Bethany before. Bethany is the town where Mary and Martha, and yes, their brother, another guy you might have heard of, Lazarus, lived. Friends of Jesus. More than likely, that's where, at least it's my idea, that's where Jesus hung out during this week. Now, he had a lot of other things going on, and this is another part or I'll have you look for yourself, but you keep going on through Mark here, and Jesus is teaching throughout this period of time, uh, mostly by parables. What's a parable? Well, that's a story. I don't know about you guys, but I learn better from a story than I do a lecture. I get more uh, involved by hearing a story. It, it sticks here a lot better by hearing a story instead of just somebody giving me some data. So that's how Jesus taught, too. Pretty cool deal. Okay, now we'll go on to the Passover, which uh, actually is today. Isn't that interesting? Here we are in Holy Week. It doesn't necessarily line up this way, but this is Passover. And this is what, Je what Jesus and his disciples were doing there in Jerusalem, getting ready to celebrate the Passover, right? Okay, uh, this is also, <laughs> for my friend Pastor Bob Probert, who mentioned it today, uh, and for others, this is a day known as Maundy Thursday. Now, growing up in the church, I was confused as a little kid, thinking they said Monday Thursday, and how could Monday Thursday mean anything? But Maundy Thursday means Mandate Thursday. Now, it doesn't mean that you're mandated to go to church tonight, what it means is this is when Jesus instituted communion during the Passover. This is what he did. And he mandated to do this in remembrance of me. So I think Monday, Thursday shouldn't be thrown out with all the different holidays, but something to be remembered as Passover. If you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance to attend the Passover Seder, I highly recommend it because you get to see what Jesus was doing at that time, and it's also very joyous. 
keep that in mind as well. So anyway, here we are in uh, continuing on in the book of Mark. We in, are in Mark 14, again, uh, starting at the 17th verse. And we're going to take a quick trip over to John during this as well, because there's something that happened here that John, that John writes about, where the other guys that wrote Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did not. Okay, here we are. It says, In the evening he came, meaning Jesus, with the twelve, and now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. And they said to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? Wow, would that be pretty heavy? How, how, if you didn't, how could I betray, Lord? Well, the guy who was going to betray him certainly knew. I want to put a bookmark right there and move over to the book of John, chapter 13. Why do I want to do this? Because there's something that was really powerful that Jesus did that, that John record, records this. This is during the Passover as well. This is that night where he says here, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, that now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world of the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end, which is unconditional, and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, yep, he's the guy that should answer, is it me, Lord? Yeah, it's me. Okay, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, Jesus' hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet and began to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is a job that is saved for slaves, for servants. This is Jesus being a servant leader. I was blessed to be able to participate in a foot washing a couple of times. Uh, one time we did it at our church, and it was great because it was a Passover, it was Monday, Thursday, it was Passover, and we had the foot washing ceremony. And there was, oh, three of us who were doing the foot washing. We were leaders in the church. And we got all done. And I had a guy come up to me afterwards and say, anybody wash your feet, will we? Wow. Brings a tear to my eye. Of course, I'm a softie, and I cry at the top. You know, that's not a big deal to drop a hat. But anyway... Wow, what a, what a moving experience. If you ever get the opportunity to participate in something like that, why is it a moving experience? Because that's what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the God of the universe, right? This is what he did for his disciples. Just think about that. He, you know what? You think about those guys. They're walking across. 
dirt roads and all this kind of stuff. And they're not necessarily walking on clean stuff. They might, they might just happen to step in some dog duty. But it happens. And here it's such a lowly thing. And they, Jesus washed their feet. And he goes on to say here, it comes up to, when he came to Simon Peter, you know our buddy Simon Peter, he's kind of one of those guys that's a little precocious. He's one of those guys that gets up and uh, opens mouth before uh, engaging brain. Uh, I don't know anybody like that. I know I've never been like that. No, 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 no. So when he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said, You shall never wash my feet. <laughs> Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. So then Peter says to him, Lord, not my feet, only but my hands and my head too. Boy, he's going to just, <laughs> we're going to get this blessing. We're going to really get the blessing. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed, needs only to wash his feet to be complete, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Again, referring to our, to Judas Iscariot, who is going to betray Jesus. For he knew he would, who would betray him and he, when he said, they're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought wash another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them. There it is. The reason Jesus did that was to show how to be a servant leader. If you have somebody who purports to be preaching the gospel and wants you to kiss their ring, you got the wrong guy. That's not the example that Jesus gave us. Okay, now we're back. We got our handy dandy bookmark out, and we're back. Mark chapter 17, pardon me, 14, where we were at the 17th verse, and we go on verse 20. He answered them, It is one of the twelve, when they asked him, Is it I, Lord? Right? One of the twelve who dips with me in the dish, and then the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man to whom, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better, been good for that man if he had never been born. Verse 22 goes on to say, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He then took the cup when he had given thanks and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for men. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. There it is, folks. That's when Jesus 
instituted communion. It was all coming out of the Passover meal. See the connection? You know, people, people have this idea that Jews are bad because they killed Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus was a Jew. The Romans were the one who killed them, killed Jesus. But it was because it was Jesus' time. Think about this. If Jesus had not died on the cross, you and I would not be saved. Okay, here we go. Goes on. Verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they all went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will be, go before you to Galilee. Okay. Peter said to them, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently and said, I, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said likewise. Well, this is another place where you might want to look into it further because our pal Peter does exactly that and goes outside when he recognizes what he did and weeps. Right now, I want to move over to, we're still in Mark 14, but we're going to go on down to the 32nd verse where it says, Then they came to the place which was named Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive prince. Okay, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. And they have an olive press there. Why? Well, they're at the Mount of Olives. Why were they pressing olives? Olive oil. You figured out you're pretty bright. Okay, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John with him, and they, he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. When he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus is showing his humanity here. Jesus was all God and also all man. And he says here, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. An example for all of us. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've heard that before. The spirit is willing. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him, him being Jesus. Then he said to them, then he came to them the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. 
realize this. Jesus went willingly. He did not fight back. When people mention somebody being a martyr, yet they are shooting it out with those who are trying to take them, that's not a martyr. A martyr goes willingly to their death. And this is what Jesus is now doing. He is going willingly. And now, again, we'll fast forward here. Jesus went before the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin is a group of Pharisees and Sadducees, the ruling religious leaders. And he went before them, and they tried him and convicted him of what? Of blasphemy, because he said that he is God. So, now, they cannot legally, the Sanhedrin cannot legally sentence somebody to death so what they did is they took him in front of Pilate. Now, Pilate was the Roman governor of the area. And they tried to talk Pilate into uh, crucifying Jesus. Pilate didn't want anything to do with it. You've heard the, the term, I wash my hands of this. Well, that's what Pilate, that came from Pilate doing this. Again, I'm doing this. This is the Reader's Digest version. I really hope that you get a chance to go on this further. But anyway, here he is. And we go on to Mark chapter 15, staying in the book of Mark. We're going 27 through 39. Okay. Where here it's come down to that Pilate has, and this is before, Pilate has brought Jesus out and said, What do I do with this man? And all these people are out there being being built up by the crowd, being built up by the Sanhedrin, those the, the chief priests and scribes to say this. What do I do with them? They say, crucify him. So, this is what happens. And here, I'm going to read you the account of the crucifixion according to uh, the Apostle Mark. Again, Mark 15, beginning at the 27th verse. With them, they also with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourselves and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking him, mocking among themselves and with the scribes said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. See and believe. He was healing blind people, lame people, raising people from the dead. Again, our buddy Lazarus. They couldn't believe. Let's, oh, let's have, let's have him show us one more thing so we can believe. Even those who were crucified him reviled him. Now, when the sixth hour had come, 
There was darkness over the whole land and until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling Elijah. When someone ran up, filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out in a loud voice and breathed his last. This is the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, which is Good Friday, which we remember tomorrow, Good Friday. Now, here's an account of the crucifixion that I'd like to read you. It was sent to me a number of years ago from my cousin Denny in Faribault, Minnesota, who I hope someday is able to watch this. So this is something that really brings us home. Uh, please bear with me as I read it. It's, what is crucifixion? A doctor provides a physical description. The cross is placed on the ground and the exhausted man is quickly thrown backwards with his shoulders against the wood. The legionnaire feels for the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy, square, wrought iron nail through the wrist deep into the wood. Quickly, he moves the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some flex and movement. The cross is then lifted into place. The left foot is pressed backwards against the right foot, and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each, leaving the knees flexed. The victim is now crucified. This is the most heinous way of torturing somebody to death. And the Romans were very good at it. I'll go on to explain. As he slowly sags down with more weight on the nails and wrists, excruciating fiery pain shoots along the fingers and up the arms to explode in the brain. The nails in the wrists are putting pressure on the median nerves. He pushes himself upward to avoid this stretching torment. He places full weight on the nails through his feet. Again, he feels the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the bones of his feet. As the arms fatigue, cramps sweep through his muscles, knotting them with deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps, comes in ability to push himself upward to breathe. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but not exhale. He fights to raise himself in order to even get one small breath. Finally, carbon dioxide builds in the lungs and in the bloodstream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself upward and exhale and to bring in life-giving oxygen. Hours of limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-wrenching cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. 
Then another agony begins, a deep crushing pain deep in the chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum begins to compress the heart. And it is now almost over. The loss of tissue fluids has reached a critical level. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making frantic effort to grasp in small gulps of air. He can feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. Finally, he can allow his body to die. Huh, all this and the Bible records this with simple words and they crucified him. This is what our Lord and Savior did for us on the cross. He took the pain and agony. He took the sentence that we deserve upon himself. Scripture tells us that he who became he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's what he did while we are yet sinners. You and me. This is Good Friday. I want you to know that Christmas has no meaning without Holy Week. Christmas would be just another day. You know, it's interesting because there's the argument, oh, Christmas, that's just the winter solstice, all this stuff. Well, okay, there wasn't a specific date written down when Christ was born. Why? Because the early church recognized what meant something. It's right here. The Christ. Jesus taking on the sentence that we deserve and paying the price for our sin. Now there's a bit of time between Good Friday when Jesus is crucified and the good day, blessed day, Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday that we will be celebrating on Sunday, where it went from this dark, terrible time to the world being changed forever. But what was going on between that time? Well, our friends, the disciples, were chickening out. They're hiding out in the upper room because they had an idea that the same thing was about to happen to them. <laughs> they saw that their guy that they were following, that they knew was the Messiah, not realizing the Messiah was not bringing a earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom, they just saw him being crucified and dying. And they thought the same thing was going to happen to them. So they were being a bunch of chickens and hiding out. That's, again, the Reader's Digest version of what was going on on that Saturday. Now, now let's go on to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, and here it comes. Verse 1, where it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Sunday, which we are celebrating Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came down and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. 
His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, because they became, and became like dead men. The guards they're referring to here are the Roman guards that were placed to guard the tomb, so that way the disciples couldn't go in there and steal Jesus' body. Aha! They got rolled back, and they were scared witless, for one thing, because they were about to abandon their post, which meant death. Okay. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Remember that. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee and therefore you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went quickly with fear and joy and ran to give the, bring the disciples his word. And as they went to tell his disciples Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him, as only he deserves worship. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So, this coming Sunday, we get to say, He is risen, and have the response, He is risen indeed. I hope this gives you a quick overview of what we term as Holy Week. And the reason why we celebrate Friday and Easter. God bless you. And if you'll hang on just a minute, I'd like to give you a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.